Tomorrow is, of course, New Year's Eve. And at this time of year, many of us might take a moment or two just to reflect back as we look back over the last year, the last 12 months, and look ahead into the, uh, the, the next year as it unfolds before us. And at this time of year, newspapers and any sort of media, social media and television and so on, often do little roundups and best ofs, whether it's sport or looking at the weather we've experienced this year, all that sort of thing. Roundups of the year. And the media guys here have done a little one for us with some of the highlights here at Trent. Marvellous. That goes out on social media tomorrow. I wonder if you created one for yourself. How was your year? Whether you, what you would include in that. You may have been one of the millions who gathered around a television to watch the wedding of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle back in May and enjoyed the passionate sermon given by Bishop Michael Curry. As it happened, I took the opportunity to go on a long motorcycle ride that day on empty roads, which was absolutely marvellous. Or maybe you experienced the roller coaster ride of watching England play in the World Cup. Such hope and such heartbreak. <laughs> Who could forget the dramatic scenes from Thailand when a boys' football team was trapped deep inside a mountain in a cave? Or from California, whose residents experienced some of those devastating wildfires on record, which resulted in over 100 people killed or missing and thousands losing their homes. It's also been a very dramatic year in politics, uh, Brexit especially, uh, with those negotiations going on, the Windrush scandal, various ministerial resignations. But on a positive note, Toblerone announced a dramatic U-turn. Two years after they reduced the number of triangles in a bar, they returned to the original shape as shown below. Rahul pushed through his shyness to become the great British Bake Off winner. And this image won Comedy Wildlife Photograph of the Year. Now, these are real photographs. There's no Photoshop allowed. And it had stiff competition like this, a real photo, and this, and this. Some of you will have had what you might describe as an anes horribilis this past year. There's been pain for you. Some of you perhaps have lost a loved one. Others have lost perhaps a spouse through separation or divorce. Some have lost a good job, lost a friend, faced financial difficulties. Some have done things of which you're ashamed. 
Others of you have had a wonderful year. Perhaps you graduated with a good grade, landed a great job. Perhaps you got married. Perhaps you got engaged. Some of you have started a relationship with Jesus and, uh, this past year. And in that regard, it's been the most important year of your life so far. Whatever 2018 was like for you, a useful question to ask as we review the last year is this. Am I more like Jesus now than I was a year ago? Am I more like Jesus now than I was a year ago? Because the Bible tells us that's God's intention. If we look in Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 8, verse 28, it says this. We know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Every year, God's aim is that his people will be conformed to the image of his son. People would become more like Jesus. And whatever last year was and whatever this year turns out to be, God can use all of it. For our good, he can use all of it to grow us in our faith. Because the life of a disciple is not a static thing. At any given moment or season, we're heading in a direction. And uh, we will have either taken steps forward uh, at various points in the year, uh, or perhaps we've taken some steps backwards. As we look forward to the new year, I want to explore some things we might consider putting in place now Uh, We want to make progress and have more forward steps, don't we, than backward steps. And we want to do this so that at the end of 2019, whatever it might hold for us, we can say that we have become more like Jesus than we are today. I came across an interesting little statement in the book of Luke, which gives us some pointers in some areas we might focus on as we head into this year. And uh, last week, of course, we celebrated the birth of Jesus, and uh, this little verse captures something. It's recorded just after the account by Luke of Jesus at the age of 12, being left there in the temple about his father's business. And it says here in Luke 3, verse 52, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. The message translation says, Jesus matured. If I want to become more like Jesus, I need to grow, and here's four good ways in which we might focus on growing. He grew in wisdom, he grew in stature, he grew in favor with God, and he grew in favor with people, with men and women. So tonight is a fairly simple talk and very practical about how can I grow in these things. So first of all, how can I grow in wisdom? The book of Proverbs exhorts us over and over to grow in this area of our lives. For instance, Proverbs 4, verse 7. Incidentally, do read the book of Proverbs. It's basically a book of wisdom. And if you just ingested a quarter of it and made it part of your life, you'd probably be pretty transformed and you'd be a much more pleasant and wise person to be around. Anyway, it says this in Proverbs 4, verse 7. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it cost you all you have, Get understanding. It may cost you something to get it, but go for it. Well, how can we get it? Well, we grow in wisdom through experiences, good and bad. We learn from our mistakes and so on. But is there anything we, which we can actually do 
in order to get more wisdom? The answer is yes. King David had found the major secret, and he writes in Psalm 119, beginning at verse 98, addressing God here, your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. He's referring there to the scriptures that he had in those days, meditating on the word of God, reading it, ingesting it, digesting it. And Paul likewise says to his young protege, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 3, 15 following, from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that all God's people may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul is writing to this young leader of a huge church in Ephesus in modern-day Turkey. And, of course, it applies there to, you know, teach the Scriptures to the people you're leading because it's God-breathed and so on. But also on a personal level, you can take that. Scripture is God-breathed, it's inspired, and it's useful for teaching us, rebuking us personally sometimes. We'll read a passage and it's like, ouch, I'm convicted. I'm not that generous. I need to do something about that or whatever it happens to be. Training in righteousness so that we might be thoroughly equipped for the good works that God has created in advance for us to do. Jesus grew in wisdom as he studied the Old Testament. As a boy being trained to be a rabbi, he would have known whole books of the Bible off by heart. And so that's the first and major way in which we might grow in wisdom. Now, I know many of you read your Bible. You read it often. Others of us find it harder to do that. Perhaps some of you aren't sure whether you actually own a Bible. And if you do, when you last saw it, you have no idea actually where it is. Whatever your starting point, don't worry about that. How about simply making it a goal to increase your time that you spend engaging with the Bible from whatever it was in 2018? So if you haven't read the Bible for months, don't worry. You've got to, it's not going to be that hard to make some progress, okay? Wherever you're at, we can step into a future that's preferable. You might decide on an amount of time you would spend each day or each week that you might read the Bible. Don't be so ambitious in the goal you set that you've utterly failed in two weeks' time and just get discouraged. But maybe set a goal. I'm going to read, you know, you can read the New Testament about one leaf per day, one page per day, and you'll get through the whole New Testament this year. That may be doable. You may miss it for a few days, and then you read four leaves, four pages or eight sides or whatever. But uh, don't be so ambitious, because you probably will fail. Whatever goal you set, you may or may not achieve it, and that really doesn't matter. But without a goal, you're pretty sure to hit it <laughs> if you set your goal at zero. Okay. There are some fantastic resources out there to help us as we read the Bible. And I currently use this one from Version. It's the Bible app, a little brown-looking Bible thing for those of you who cannot see me right now. And on that, it has the Bible in many, many translations. And it's simple when you're reading a passage to switch to another translation of that passage just in two clicks. If you prefer being read to rather than reading, again, in two clicks, you have really listenable voices like David Souchard reading, for instance, the NIV. 
And this app also has a huge range of reading plans that you can look at what would suit you. I found the Bible in a Year app very helpful. Nicky Gumbel created that. And a few years ago, I did the whole Bible in a year. That's reading the whole Bible plus almost the same again of comments from from Nicky, but really, really helpful in looking at the New Testament, Old Testament, and how they relate together. And uh, you can dip into the Bible in one year sporadically, or you can go for trying to read the whole Bible. You might just choose to read the New Testament bits of that, whatever suits you. And I was delighted to hear just yesterday that the YouVersion Bible app I just referred to has now incorporated the Bible in one year 2019 into its app, which starts on Tuesday. And as well as reading the passages and comments on it, you can also listen to it being read, and I think also probably listen to Nicky Gumbel reading his parts as well. So whether it's an app, whether it's a physical Bible, part of growing in wisdom involves engaging with the Word of God, the Bible. If you just leave it to coming to church every other week and hoping that that's going to feed you and really help you grow in wisdom, it'll help but you won't grow anywhere near the way God wants you to. So I would encourage you to think about what you can do to increase your engagement with the Bible this year. If you've never really started to read the Bible, and you're thinking, well, where do I begin? I'd encourage you to begin in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts. That's really give you a great grasp of the beginnings of the Christian faith, and then continue from there. That first steps with Jesus course begins in five weeks on the 5th of February. That would be a great place. It's five or six weeks, I think, five or six Tuesday evenings. Really, really valuable to help you begin to get a life habit there. A second way to grow in wisdom is through gleaning the experience of others, reading or listening to their distilled wisdom on life. Now, I'm not naturally a great reader. I don't really like sitting down with a book for ages. I I have to read because (laughs) you pay me to. I'm supposed to know stuff, and that's one of the ways I have to find it out. But... You know, I know that if I want to continue to grow, one of the things I need to do is read. One of my goals for 2019 is to read at least one book each month. Now, some of my reading is with physical books, and as I read, I often underline and highlight bits which stand out to me. It helps me actually engage with what I'm reading, and that's also a great way to uh, go back to. And I'll be reading you some stuff that I underlined a few years ago in a book. Um, you can go back and say, oh yeah, that was profound. For the last few months, uh, well, increasingly I'm finding that actually having books read to me is a very good use of my time. It's not that I'm paying someone to sit there with me, <laughs> like in you know, reading it to me live, but um, I've been using a phone app called Audible, and many books that you can get from a well-known website named after a rainforest are available in paperback, hardback, Kindle, and Audible. And when I buy a book on Audible, I have it on my phone, often being read by its author. And I have a monthly subscription, which as long as I'm reading about a book every month, significantly reduces the price of those books. So whether I'm driving, whether I'm gardening, I'm often reading and growing in wisdom as I do. How can I grow, secondly, in stature? Obviously, the original context here is describing Jesus as a boy growing up. It's referring to him growing physically, being more physically developed at the end of each year than he was at the beginning. But I think uh, a useful question to ask, whatever our age is, 
is are there ways we could look at growing in stature, developing physically rather than regressing? I read that once you leave your teenage years, the potential direction for most people is pretty much downhill. Uh, Left to the course of nature, I read somewhere that from the age of 40, we lose something like 8% of our muscle mass each decade. Our metabolic rate seems to decrease every year, and many of us find maintaining our healthiest weight more challenging every year that passes. Recently, I've just been watching uh, a few programs on eating healthily. (laughs) Well, it's a start, okay. Uh, And a challenge with my love for every kind of processed food and chocolate and fudge and ice cream and so on. I found quite challenging watching those things. But found it quite helpful. One of my brothers is a nutritional scientist and he's developed a website through which you can monitor how you're doing with getting all the important vitamins, all the micronutrients, all that in your diet. And he's a great believer in what Hippocrates said about 400 BC, the father of medicine. He said, let food be your medicine and medicine be your food. So you don't really need to be popping tons of multivitamin pills and and taking all these drugs to make you feel healthy. If you only ate the right things in a really balanced way, you probably feel a whole lot better, basically. And um, since my 87-year-old mother was hospitalized here in Nottingham last Christmas for almost two weeks, My younger brother has cooked my mother highly nutritious meals, which she's eaten nearly every day since. And he cooks batches, he delivers them in piles of little one-portion trays, and she heats them up each night. And it's no exaggeration to say she feels and she looks 20 years younger. It's worth considering not just how much we eat and worrying about calories and so on, but more importantly, what we eat as we take care of the bodies that we have been entrusted with. And then, of course, building things like rest uh, into our lives is an important part of our physical health. So are there any goals that we could set for this year that would help us develop physically? We could ask ourselves questions like, am I taking the right amount of exercise to stay healthy? In my case, the answer is no. Not really, not really. This time last year, I, was, uh, I had a boxing personal trainer and my punch bag and I'm doing really well and feeling actually on top of the world. And then uh, I developed a problem, probably unrelated, a problem with my left hand. And for the, so for the last six months, I've not been able to hit anything or really I've chosen not to do any exercise as a result. I've not yet replaced that as a habit. And uh, so I have, in fact, regressed. Do I look more physically whatever, you know, what I'm saying. No, I've regressed through this year, and I need to do something about it. I do have a plan. I'm not going to tell you, otherwise you might hold me accountable, but uh, (laughs) am I taking the right amount of exercise? You might ask yourself that question. What about getting enough sleep? Or eating a healthy diet? Or taking a Sabbath? Perhaps I should join a gym. You know, the busiest time to go to the gym is January. Because people all over Nottingham feeling the effects of Christmas and New Year excesses make resolutions to get fit. And one gym company claims that membership goes up by about 40% in January. By February or March, the numbers have dropped and remain relatively low low until about January the 2nd next year. A friend of mine went to the gym today uh, to a pool. It was nearly empty. 
you wait till Wednesday. So Jim's around Nottingham embracing themselves for this. Jim this week, Jim next week. Now, I'm not suggesting radical New Year's resolutions. Generally, they don't work. If you set your goals too high, you do it for a bit, and then it fades away. But, but bite-sized chunks are really, really helpful. Someone here will say, okay, I'm desperately unfit. I've never really gone to the gym before, but I'm going to do a 90-minute workout three times a week from now on. Well, I hate to tell you this, but as your pastor, I feel it's my duty to say, no, you're not. Unless you are already a fairly disciplined athlete, it's not going to happen. 99% of us are never going to maintain that through the year. But setting goals which are attainable are not so hard to set or to achieve, like walking to your local shops rather than taking the car unless it's raining, or going to bed by 11 o'clock, you know, at least half the days in the week, or making sure that you schedule a day off and actually try and protect it or limiting yourself to one donut per Sunday. These are all doable goals. And so, you know, what's right for you? You might want to just think about that and write it down. And then later you can review it. You know, am I going in the right direction physically? Thirdly, how do I grow in favor with God? We're talking here about growing spiritually, growing in our relationship with God. And this is a good time of year to ask ourselves, how is my relationship with God? Do I know his favor? One of the key ways to grow in our relationship with God is through spending time with him. Letting him speak to you, change you, will be the most effective way of getting to the end of the year looking a bit more like Jesus. Some people would find a daily quiet time at a certain time. The alarm goes off, they clean their teeth, and then they set this time aside. That really works for them. Some have chosen a more irregular approach of spending larger chunks of time less often. Some people have the kind of disposition which enables them to talk to God at various points throughout the day. Uh, You've got to find what works for you, basically. I can get very focused on what I'm doing. And something I've found helpful is to have an alarm which goes off on my phone twice a day, which reminds me to spend a couple of minutes just refocusing my life on God, doing a thing called the examine, basically just stopping, reviewing the last few hours, considering what I'm feeling, any emotion I just need to process with God, uh, some concern as I look into the next few hours, committing that to the Lord and then returning to what I'm doing. It doesn't take very long to do that, but uh, that alarm goes off twice a day. That's over 700 times a year. Now, I confess that I very often totally ignore it. (laughs) Like most times, actually, probably I ignore it. But um, it does serve as a reminder. You know, I'm doing something. I can't stop what I'm doing, whatever. But it does serve as a reminder that I'm not walking through the day alone. And I can turn to God at any time. There are all sorts of ways to connect with God. Find what works for you. The important thing is, is actually spending time investing in that relationship, which even if you've been a Christian for years, can drift and slip such that you think, when did I last really talk to God? You know, I sang some songs to him just now, but actually, do I I pray? It's, It's not always easy. It's vital, but it's not always easy. In his book, Secrets of the Secret Place, Bob Sorge tells us this. As I say, I underline this many years ago, everybody gets bored in their personal prayer life and Bible reading. Some days I'm so looking forward to my time with the Lord only to sleep right through the entire time. 
Other times I seem to be awake enough, it's just that there's no wind of the Spirit blowing on this particular day for me. No matter what I read or how fervently I pray, this one seems destined to be a dud. To put it bluntly, sometimes prayer is boring and Bible reading is like eating sawdust. So, pretty refreshingly honest from Bob Sorge, who has a great relationship with God. Especially to those of us who've given up spending much time with the Lord because all too often that's been our experience. Bob's counsel to us, what should we do when we're bored? Do it anyway. Persevere, do the time. Well, why, you might ask? Well, here's something I also found a very helpful insight. When we step into the presence of God, we're exposing ourselves to eternally powerful forces. Everything within us changes when we touch the radiating glory that emits from his face. For the Lord is God is a sun, Psalm 84, 11. When we place ourselves in the sun of his countenance, the radiation of his glory does violence to those cancerous iniquities that we often feel helpless to fully overcome. Time in his presence is perhaps the most potent procedure to deal with the chronic sin issues that plague us. You don't know you're being exposed to radiation when it first happens. People who get sunburned don't realize they've been exposed to excessive radiation until after the damage is done. The effects of radiation are always delayed. The same is true of God's glory. When you spend time in his presence, your first thought is, this isn't accomplishing anything. However, if you will believe the truth and just devote yourselves to mega amounts of time in his presence, the effects of spending time with him will eventually manifest. You start thinking differently and you don't even know why. You start to have different passions and interests and you don't even know why. God is changing you on the inside in ways you can't cognitively analyze. All you know is sinful affections that once pulled at your soul no longer have their former power over you. The secret is simply this, large chunks of time in God's presence. Our time with God is, is a lot like gardening. As you walk through your garden day by day, you don't really see it changing. Of course, the seasons slowly change what it looks like, but in terms of the growth of plants, it's hard to observe that. You know, that tree looks roughly the same height as it did last time I walked through the garden. This plant is about the same size as it was yesterday. But over time, huge changes occur. In our garden, we have a eucalyptus tree. Now, eucalyptus can grow really quite tall. So a number of years ago, I cut the top off it, climbed up with a ladder and took a saw up there to keep it under control, keep it in proportion with the garden. If you had asked me how much it had grown since I last trimmed it, I would have said, well, a little. Without studying it closely, it seemed to look much the same, but clearly it needed a bit of a haircut. Uh, when I next came to give it a trim, it wasn't until I worked out where to cut the top branches, that I realized just how much it had grown. And the piece I cut off the top as it fell, landed on the lawn, was over 10 feet tall. So this is a 10-foot haircut of a tree. Well, how did that happen? It looked much the same to me, just a little bit. But, you know, the, the sun had shone, the rain had fallen, the nutrients had been in the soil. Quite unnoticed, our tree had grown significantly. 
And that, I think, is one of the most important things we can grasp about spending time with the Lord. It's not about whether your time with him was stimulating. It's not about every occasion in his presence being a great spiritual experience. It's about doing it. Because as Bob Sorge says, every moment you spend in the secret place is an investment. And if you find yourself today unable to conquer some area of sin, or you're feeling stagnant in your relationship with God, it's worth taking what Bob Sorge says seriously. So here's a suggestion. Decide on some form of goal. Put it in your diary. Decide maybe how many minutes a day or minutes a week you want to devote to talking to God, listening to God. Put a note in your diary at the end of each month, maybe to review how you're doing. When you get to the end of January or into February, just think, how am I doing? Have I changed at all since John Wright did that sermon on the 30th of uh, December? And if nothing's changed or you've gone backwards, it will trigger you to step forward. Habits take time to develop. You do something consistently over long enough, it just becomes your new normal. And it takes much less discipline to continue. And a bit of accountability uh, does no harm. So accountability, you tell someone in your small group, this is what I'm doing, I'm going to read the New Testament this year. Well, that is a level. But being accountable to yourself is also helpful. Just jotting it down, this is what I'm intending to do. If you are able to set alarms on your phone to remind you to stop and refocus your day on him, you might find that helpful too. So finally, how can I grow in favor with men and women, with others? The author Maya Angelou once said this, people won't remember what you did, but they will remember how you made them feel. Relationships, our interactions with others are really, really important. Jesus was so magnetic a person that the more he developed, the more he invested himself with others, the more people loved him. He upset the religious leaders who were threatened by him, but most people he interacted with were blessed through knowing him. How are your relationships as we begin this year? How might we grow this year in our relationships with others? Could someone describe us as being a grumpy person, having a bit of a temper, being a bit mean, being a bit selfish? Do we serve others? Are we known for our generosity? And so on. Here's a thought that occurs to me. The fruits of the Spirit listed by Paul in Galatians 5 are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Worth learning those nine little things. They all have an impact, if you think about it, on our human relationships. We could each ask ourselves, am I loving? Am I a joy to be around? Do I bring people together or do I tend to create conflict? How patient am I? Am I kind? Good to know? Am I faithful? Am I gentle? Am I self-controlled? And you might want to pick one or more of those that you would really like to grow in this year and just set a goal that relates to that. If your goal is in the area, for instance, of patience, you could ask yourself in February, have I demonstrated being more patient with my housemate or my children or my spouse or my boss or whoever? 
Some of our growth in the fruits of the Spirit is down to our choice. I can, in situations when I'm tempted to be unkind, I can actually choose to be kind. But of course, it's far more than just my choices. The fruit of the Spirit grows as I sow to the Spirit, as he has more influence in my life, as the sap flowing through me, to use another analogy of Jesus's, is from the vine, its connection with him. And doing the things we've talked about will increase the growth of the fruit of the Spirit. That happens as we grow in wisdom through God's word, as we spend time in his presence and grow in our relationship with him. That sap will flow, and even without trying that hard, we'll find indirect, our indirect effort produces results, the fruits of the Spirit growing in our lives. So how might we grow to be more like Jesus this year? Well, as I said, unless we take deliberate steps, we are likely not to grow. So I'd like to invite you to consider joining me in, in setting a really attainable goal in each of these four areas of your life and then review them before you get to the end of the year and think, oh, I did nothing about that thing that I decided on January 30, December 30th, 2018. And you might want to write them down on a card or put it, you know, stick it on your bathroom mirror or as I have done, Actually, write them down, put them under your computer monitor, and every time your eye catches it, it will spur you on. And if we do that, there's no reason why the result will be anything other than our growing as Jesus did, and we will look more like Jesus this time next year. God's intention is that we grow in each of these areas. He wants us to grow in wisdom, reading the Bible, gleaning from other people's perspective, especially through reading or listening to books. Growing in stature, possible sickness aside, physically becoming healthier than we are today. Growing in favor with God in our relationship with him and growing in favor with men and women. We will be a better friend, a better spouse, a better parent, a better employee. He wants the best for us, for us to continue to move forward in our life with him. For some of us, Perhaps we are yet to commit our lives to following Jesus. And I believe there's an invitation for you to do that today as you look into and forward to the new year to start 2019 by making a commitment to follow Jesus. And there'll be an opportunity to do that in a moment. Each of us will have different hopes and dreams for 2019. Maybe you're really excited about what the new year holds. Or maybe there's a circumstance or a situation that means you are entering this new year with some trepidation. God wants each of us to grow and investing in wisdom, our physical health, our relationship with God and with others will build strong foundations no matter what this year holds. My prayer for each of you is that you will have a blessed 2019 and this time next year you will be able to say, I am a little more like Jesus than I was last year. 